0: So the last couple of weeks we've been in. Um, we did. Uh, we looked at Palm Sunday. We looked at the humble King, the Messiah, the one who'd bring us peace. So that's what Palm Sunday really uh, tells us a lot about. That you can go back and catch that. Uh, we will be back in our study in Acts here uh, next week, looking at that. So this morning I've entitled the message that I may know. Just as we look at Easter, Chris shared. Um, around the fireside this morning, just about the resurrection and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Uh, just how in that situation where Lazarus had been dead for four days and they just saw no hope of the resurrection, they thought maybe if Jesus could have gotten there right away before he even died, that maybe Jesus could have done something. But it seemed pretty impossible after he had passed away, and especially four days later, right? Um, And that plays a big role in the Palm Sunday story because a lot of the people that were aligned the streets shouting, you know, this is the Messiah, were people that had witnessed or heard about the resurrection of Lazarus. And so now they were um, shouting out the praises of God and to Jesus. All right. So this morning that I may know, um, I want us to look at this. Have you ever turned on the news and wondered what really is the truth? You ever want that? Turned on Turn the news? You can go maybe to one channel, news channel, and then you go to another news source, and you, just, you can sometimes hear t- two opposite stories, and it's kind of like, what is the truth? It's really, the truth cannot be that hard to find, can it? But sometimes it is, isn't it? What is the truth? How do we know what we are being told is really the truth? You would think with all the technology and different forms of technology and communication that we would know the truth and it wouldn't be hard to attain. But I think I think with technology and all that we have today, it's sometimes even harder to distinguish what is, what is the truth. Are we being told the truth? And it's enough to make us skeptics of us all, isn't it? Um, and sometimes it's maybe what is the best food to eat? You know, there's some foods now that are claimed to be good foods that, 10, 20 years ago, it's kind of like, no, don't eat those. It'll kill you, right? And all of a sudden, we find out, oh, yeah, they're actually not too bad for you to eat, right? Eggs was one of those, right? Uh, Yeah, within moderation, right? They were, you know, it used to be that they were terrible for you. Now, they're not so bad for you. Um, Climate change, you know, the best car to buy. And then politics, we're not going to go down that road, but, right? What is the truth? Now, I want us to take, take us back about 2,000 years to when Jesus walked the earth and he was crucified on a Roman cross. And then three days later, we hear the reports that his body wasn't there, the tomb was empty, the stone had been rolled away, and there's reports that maybe some soldiers had, had taken, somebody came and robbed his body or took his body and you know somehow fought off the Roman soldiers, Right? But the rumors were going around, and and so go back to that time. What is the truth? They saw Him crucified on a Roman cross, and now there were stories floating around. What happened to Jesus? And even those closest to Jesus were dismayed. They were wrestling with their own doubts and their own fears. Had they believed a lie? And if not, how did it all make sense? Right? How did it all make sense? In the passage that Anna read, you know, the the women go to the tomb first and they see the empty tomb and, and they go back and report to the disciples and they said, oh yeah, we believe you. Is that what they said? They thought the woman's words were nonsense, right? Right? Surely those women were seeing things, right? You know, each of the gospel writers records the events of the resurrection, and how those closest to Jesus came to a place of belief. And this morning, I want to look at a few of those. Uh, and we're going to look at the the passage in John. John is known as the closest to, disciple to Jesus. Uh, he's referred to in that gospel as the disciple that Jesus loved. And so often, J- John does not refer to himself as John. He refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. All right? And... Uh, I think John was a little bit on the competitive side. He had his brother James, and then there's Peter in the mix. I think there was some good competition between them, all right? And that'll come out in our passage. Um, John would be uh, the one that writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and, and then also the book of Revelation. So, Um, I want us to look at how they came to that place of belief and to know that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. So let's bow our heads in prayer and look at this together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the living word of God that speaks to us today. We pray that uh, for our hearts to be open, for us to hear. Lord God, we give you the thanks and we give you the praise. We ask it in your name. Amen. John chapter 20, verse 1. Let's look at that together. It says, Early on the first day of the week, While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. If you remember, um, Mary Magdalene, um, it was from her that seven demons had been cast out. She becomes a devoted follower of Christ. And it's ironic, she's one of the first people at the tomb, and she would be the first one to witness the resurrected Christ in person. I I think there's something that God wants to say to us through that. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, and the one that Jesus loved, and that is John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other, out, the other disciple outran Peter. You see the competition there, right? John saying, hey, just for the record, I am faster than Peter, all right? All right, and we read it still today. All right, and they said they have taken the Lord. Okay, and so verse 4, both were running, and, but the other disciple around Peter reached the tomb first. Verse 5, he bent over and looked in and saw the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in, so the, the grave closed. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and the went, went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of the linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head cloth was still laying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, just in case we didn't catch that the first time, also went inside, and he saw and he what? Believed. He saw and he believed. Verse 9, but this is the, the catch. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead, and then the disciples went back to where they were staying. John sees and he believes, but he st- it still does not make sense to him. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying and she wept and she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been and one at the head and one at the, at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. So, and I think he said that in a way that she had heard it more than once or twice, how Jesus had said her name. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene then went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And on the evening of the first day of the first week, the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you, right? Yeah. what would you be doing about that moment? You're in a room and all of a sudden he walks through the walls and you saw him crucified and it's kind of like, Peace be with you. It's kind of like, ah, you know, right? They, they were kind of, um, he had to say that for a reason, right? And after he said this, he showed his hands and his side where they'd pierced him with the, with the spear. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you have not forgiven them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, was one of the twelve, and he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. He goes, All right right? But he said to them, unless I see the nails in his hands, and my finger, place my finger where his nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I know you guys believe. I know you say that you saw him, but I will not believe it until I see him. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked again. And Jesus, why do you think the doors were locked? They were afraid, weren't they? They were afraid of the Romans and and the Jewish leaders that had crucified their Lord and their Savior. And so they were in a room, and the doors are locked, because there's still some fear there. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you again. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have believed and have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his his disciples, which are not recorded in this book but they are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. John talks a lot about belief and believe. That is a common word used throughout his Gospel. There's a few things that I want us to take away here just looking at John's account. First of all, to believe the quest is important. The quest is important. Each of them had to come to that place of belief on their own terms in their own way just as you need to as well now the disciples should have believed the woman's story right and thomas should have believed the other testimony of what the others had to say but they all had to come to that place of belief on their own to discover that themselves they had to investigate peter and john go to the tomb after the women said it's empty and they investigated for themselves And later they would see the resurrected Christ. John sees and believes even though he doesn't understand. That's a hard thing to do, right? To believe when you don't understand. Had Jesus told them that he was going to die? He had, hadn't he? It just went right over their head. In fact, Peter, when when Jesus was talking about Peter, says, you know, that's not going to happen, Lord. We're going to protect you. And just a little bit before that, Peter made the proclamation, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, and he just was, he was feeling pretty good about himself. And then all of a sudden God says, hey, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the plans of God in store in mind. This did not make sense to them. Mary Magdalene sees the tomb, and then later she sees the resurrected Christ. And she reports, but she still has doubts. You know, whether you're raised in a Christian home or not, we all must come... To that place of belief and we must all go on our own quest for truth to know the risen Christ all right I was raised in a Christian home how many are raised in a Christian home you, you just yeah and maybe you weren't I think sometimes when we have to come to the faith in our first generation or by ourselves without that Christian heritage we, we have that process where we are seeking the truth. Sometimes when we grow up in a Christian home, we can take some things for granted. and We think, I can ride in on my parents' coattail, my own parents' faith. But we all have to come to that place where we discover the truth for ourselves and make it our own. That's what belief is. You must discover the truth for yourself and then believe. It's great if your friends believe. It's great if your parents believe. It's great if your kids believe. It's great if your grandparents believe. Or it's great if the neighbor across the street believes. That's all great. But what's important, even more so, is that you believe. And whatever that takes in searching the truth out, I don't believe that God is afraid of our questions He's not afraid of our doubts. The ones closest to Jesus had doubts, and they had fears, and they had questions. Jesus was not offended at that. He calls us to go on that quest to believe and to know the truth. Amen? Secondly, to believe we must encounter the risen Christ. Now, having all the facts is nice, but if that's all that's required to believe... um, that's not always the case, is it? Have you ever presented somebody all the facts and they still won't believe what you're saying? Right? That's, that's what the ladies did. Hey, they said, the tomb is empty. It, the guy says, no, we're going to go see for ourselves." right? We are presented things in our history books or on the news. Sometimes we believe, sometimes we don't. There again, we don't know what is truth, okay? But sometimes knowing all the facts doesn't mean that somebody is going to believe. I think we all have to come to that place where we meet the risen Christ ourselves. Thomas hears the reports of the women and the other disciples. He still refuses to believe. He wants the hard evidence. And then once he does see the risen Christ, it's kind of like, oh Lord, I know what I said, but you know, I wish I could take it all back, right? I wish I could take it all back. Why did I doubt? You ever kicked yourself because you doubted God? Yeah. I should have believed If the closest people to Jesus had doubts, I think it's only fair that we may have doubts and that we have to go on our own quest to know the truth. Now, most of us are going to never have an encounter with the risen Christ until we reach eternity. Okay? In person is what I mean, right? But that doesn't mean that we can't experience his presence, his grace, his compassion, his forgiveness. That God can't come into the place where we are at and meet us where we are at. That we can sense his forgiveness. We can sense his presence. And then, oh, that he is real. You know, Paul, he was originally first called Saul. We had a message on him in the book of Acts here a couple weeks back. But he had to have known of what had happened on the cross of Jesus. He'd heard the reports. Maybe he was even there. Maybe he even witnessed it. We don't know. But he had to have known of the reports and the rumors that Jesus had been resurrected. All right? And yet he did not believe. In fact, he persecuted the church. He persecuted those that did believe. Right? And even at his hand, Stephen would be stoned and left for dead, killed. Right? And then he goes on a quest to take others' prisoners. In fact, he's going up to Damascus to take hostages there and bring them back to Jerusalem and imprison them. His story is told three times in the book of Acts, th- three different ways. He gives a few different details each time that Luke records it. But on his way to Damascus, he has this divine encounter with the risen Christ. People who are with him can hear the voice. They can't make sense of it. They see the bright light, but he's blinded. He meets the one he has persecuted face to face, and his life is forever changed because he met the risen Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 through 8, it's his one, another account in one of his other letters, he said, "...for what I received I pass on to you of first importance," that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then the twelve, and after that He appeared to more than 500 of brothers and sisters at the same time, most who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. You know, 500 people, how many would say that's a pretty good... If 500 people see somebody resurrected and in person, is that a pretty good account? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Did you know there's more evidence supporting the resurrection of Christ than most of the things written in our history books? There really is. Verse 7, He appeared then to James, to the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me, though one abnormally born. What does He mean by that? Well, He meant that He didn't actually see the risen Christ after the resurrection. He sees Him sometime later on that road to Damascus, right? He has the encounter with Christ. What I do know is there's no right or wrong way. It is more based upon how we are wired in our pursuit of knowing Christ. Some people like to have all the facts before you believe. Is that you? You want to know all the facts before you believe. Is that you? Yeah, raise your hand. Yeah. How many, for other people, it's just, hey, you know what? If I've experienced Christ, His grace, His compassion, His forgiveness, the facts don't really matter, right? Because I know what I experienced, right? Some of you, that's where you're at. I think both are important and we need both the evidence and the experience. Some of you need one first. Others of you need the other first. But we all must go on our quest to know the truth and encounter the risen Christ in our own lives. To know His grace, His compassion, His forgiveness, His power, and His presence. Why? Because the last point is belief leads to transformation. You'll never change the world. You'll never be excited about your faith in Christ unless you have a firm belief. If you don't know what you believe, you're really not going to accomplish much in life. People that are passionate are passionate about what they believe in, whether it's baseball, whether it's their favorite sports team, whether it is their faith in Christ, whether it is their occupation, whether it's their favorite hobby, What they're passionate about is their beliefs, right? What they enjoy. Beliefs lead to transformation. If you don't have a firm belief about your relationship in Christ and who He is, I can guarantee you, you'll never be very passionate about your walk with God. You're never going to point others to Christ because you're not sure of what you believe yourself. There's a confidence, there's a boldness that comes when I know that I've encountered the risen Christ, I've known His grace, His compassion, His forgiveness. I know that He lives. Amen? And when you have that belief, then you go forth in confidence to tell other people and say, you know what? I know the Christ. I've experienced His grace and salvation in my own life. Until you nail that down, you will never be effective in sharing your faith with Christ. It just won't happen. You know what? Believe, you know, you ask a lot of people and they say, yeah, I believe in God. Great. Demons believe in God. Did you know that? They are even scared of Him. That's more than a lot of human beings are. They believe in God and they're scared of Him. But I can guarantee you they're not going to be on the other side in the presence of God and in heaven. Belief means, yeah, He exists, but I believe also in what He did for me on the cross of Calvary. That He went to the cross, He took my sin, my suffering, my pain to the cross so that I could have the gift of eternal life. It is through him I have the hope of eternal life. If we know that we believe in Jesus and that he is my Lord and my Savior, it'll impact how you live each day. You know it, it'll flip your priorities. It'll change your passions. Your whole outlook on life. It will there's some things I really enjoy. There's a few hobbies I enjoy doing, um, pursuits. If you're close to me, you know what those are. Um, but there's still some things that are more important, and that's my walk with Christ. That trumps everything else. It always hasn't been that way. I grew up in a Christian home. I remember at age five accepting Christ as my Lord and my Savior. It was a very powerful moment for me. And then I kind of went through my... Uh, junior high, high school years, that was kind of like a blur and I do not you know I, you know, I d you know I don't wanna claim everything I did there. I still was a pretty good kid by the looking at the outside. It would probably be in college where I really encountered Christ and had a really impactful relationship with him. That's where I sensed a call to ministry. Um but we have to come to that own, our own quest to discover Christ for in our own life. It will flip your priorities and the things you had important. You know, Paul, his life was changed All right. And in Philippians chapter three, this is what he says. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, I think, Chris there. So Philippians chapter three, four through 14. Paul, this is what he has to say. So he is, he's saved. He's, he has this dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus. They take him in to Damascus there. Uh, a prophet prays for him. Um, his eyes, scales fall off of his eyes. He can see he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's baptized in water. And he begins preaching right away, and people begin to hate him. Either some love him or some hate him type of deal, and they have to get him over the wall so he can escape. He goes to Jerusalem. He stirs things up there too. So Paul was kind of like, he jumps in with both feet, and I don't think he was the most polished initially. He really didn't care what you thought. He knew the truth, and he was going to give it to you whether you wanted it or not, maybe, okay? And so he ends up going to Tarshish. He would be there for several years, and then he's going to end up in Antioch. We'll catch up that with that in the book of Acts here in the next week or two. But in Philippians 3, 4-14, through 14, Paul talks about this. He says, if anyone thinks they have more reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. He's going to brag here a little bit. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the people of Israel. He was of, of the tribe of Benjamin. It's a great tribe to be part of. If you were part of one of the tribes, Benjamin was one of the tribes to be from, okay? I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, all right? Okay? He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, he was a Pharisee. So the Pharisees are obviously better than the Sadducees, all right? They didn't believe in the resurrection. That is why they were sad, you see. All right. As for zeal, some of you will get that in the way home. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, he faultless. Paul says, man, I checked all the boxes. I had all the trophies on the wall and the shelf. But whatever were my gains, I consider them lost for the sake of Christ." Just take them in the trash bin, throw them away. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And the word there in the Greek is is cow patties, okay? That's the nice term that I may know Christ and gain Christ. I want to be found in Him, not having a righteousness that is of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and the participation in His sufferings. Woo, yeah! Did I get some amens there? Yeah, I want to join in his glories and his resurrection and all that. I don't know about the suffering part. But Paul says, I want to join in his sufferings. And Paul would suffer for Christ, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I haven't obtained all this, Paul says. Nor have I arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Mm. You never quite arrived to you. Paul never thought he ever totally arrived. There was still the quest there, I want to know Christ and His power in my life. I hope that's our quest as well. Where where we are, depending, you know, I don't know where you're all at on your journey. But I hope that you're pressing towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in His name. Paul's encounter with the risen Christ totally changed the trajectory of his life, right? It changed his passions. He was passionate about the law and fulfilling the law. And then after knowing Christ, he was passionate about telling others about Christ, he would be a light to the Gentiles and to the Jews. But his, total, his priorities totally flipped upside down once he knew Christ. To believe the quest is important. To believe we must encounter the risen Christ in our own life. To believe that will leave, lead to transformation in our life. I'm going to have the musicians come. Come. My prayer is that you encounter the risen Christ this Easter. I even pray that He flips your world upside down. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Sometimes we need God to kind of turn things upside down and the things that aren't important fall away. And the things that are important stick. I pray that your values, your passions, and your priorities align with the heaven of God. We're all human. We all have human desires and, and wishes and all those good things, right? There's nothing wrong with that. God made us human for a reason to walk in relationship with us. But sometimes the things of this world pull us too much away. We lose track of what is really important. Because the things of this world will pass away. They're just for a moment, for a time. Here one day, gone the next. My father-in-law, he's with the Lord right now, Uh, my my wife's father. He grew up in the Catholic Church, pretty strict family there. Uh, Him and a couple of his brothers were trained for the priesthood. And it was there that he just had questions that couldn't be answered. And so he left. And he left God, he would become what you'd call an agnostic. It doesn't mean that you hate God or anything, you just don't know if God exists or if he doesn't. You just kind of just, I don't know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. He married my mother-in-law. She was Jewish, not Orthodox. In other words, Jewish in blood, and they went maybe on certain occasions, but they weren't strict Jews. So when they get married, they just don't talk about God or religion because that was just a hot topic, right? It just didn't lead anywhere good. My mom, ma- my mother-in-law, got saved through a ladies' group um, that met. It wasn't a Christian group; it was just a ladies' group that other moms. She came to know Christ there and started taking the kids to church. And my father-in-law would be home, and he would he would found books and he was looking through Scripture and through books, trying to discover, is this true or not? He went on that quest for days, weeks, months, until he came to that place that he knew that it was the truth. And then from there, he would go back to seminary. Um, That's how I'd get to know him. He would be one of my Bible college professors and be a mentor for myself. But he had to go on that quest to know the truth. And then it changed his life and transformed him. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We often do this for all of our services, not just today. But I'm going to have you stand, if you would. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. If you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have the hope of heaven that your sins are forgiven, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. And and even if you know and you just want to make sure, I'm just going to invite us all this morning to join along. But if you make that your prayer, whether it's the first time or maybe you've wandered from God and you just need to um, recommit your life to Christ this morning, today's the day. Today's the day. Nobody else can make you do it. I can't make you do it. God can't even make you do it. That has to be your choice. Now God... God's pretty sneaky because His Holy Spirit's working in our lives and He brings us to that place. He convicts us. He's at work, so He's sneaky. He's pursuing you. He, Why? Because He loves you and He wants to be in relationship with you. Amen. So if you believe that in your heart this morning, would you just pray with me and say, Dear God, come into my heart this morning. Forgive me of all my sin." Forgive me of all the times I have strayed away from you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. And help me on this journey to know you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So with every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, whether it's the first time or the second time, but you prayed that prayer and you meant it, will you look at me? Just get my eye contact this morning. And you meant it this morning. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Many. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Several prayed. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Just thank Him this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Father, this morning we give you this moment and this time. And you know the prayers that were just prayed, Lord God, and those earnest prayers. Lord God, meet us. Help us in that journey. Lord God, put us in the right place so that we can grow in our faith and our walk with you, God. So that like Paul, we can be on that quest. I haven't attained it all, but Lord God, one thing I do, I forget what is behind and press towards what is ahead to become more like you and that we can know you and the power of your resurrection in our life. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. Amen. We sing this closing song together today. Amen. Amen. Now I see. You know, I don't believe anybody was here by accident today. So I'm glad you joined us. And uh, if you did make a commitment to Christ, I'm going to kind of drift around here and if you would just make contact with me, I'd want to help you on that journey. Amen. Um, Christy, if you could be up here. If you'd want personal prayer this morning, just a prayer for a need or a request, um, Christy will be here. And Victor, is Victor there? Is Victor there. Uh, Gary, if you could join up front. And if you need prayer, there's a couple people here that would just love to pray with you and just for a need or request. Um, and they'll keep praying. So um, I'll let you go here, but there is special gifts. So we got a special gift for every kid and young person here. They get a gift. So there is a, a gift bag of candy. We used to do the Easter egg hunt, and, you know, some years it went good, some years it's not so good. Sometimes kids, some kids, you know, the kids that are pretty aggressive, they get all the eggs, and some kids come on with, with no eggs, right? That's kind of like, we didn't. So everybody gets a bag Um, for the young people there and then there's some t-shirts there so that's mainly for the the kids and the youth there and I think there are some adult sizes there too if you want one Um, I guess it's first come first serve but we want the kids to go through first and to get theirs and then um, there's also some pancakes and eggs left I guess too and bacon So um, if you want that um, Father this morning we just pray that you would go with us as we leave today as we celebrate with our families and um, maybe friends, Lord God, I just pray that your presence is part of those times and those gatherings. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. We thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross. Lord God, go with us. We give you the thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take a Mother's Day card with you. Invite other people. Mother's Day, May 14th, next Sunday, back in the book of Acts. Prayers that open closed doors. God bless you.